This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is entitled, Why We Need to Say God Willing. Did you know that in the past, when people wrote letters, they would put two letters at the end of their letter, D and V, D period, V period. And those two letters, D, V, were Latin words, Deo Valente, meaning God willing. So there was a day when there was a respect for God, a sense of God being sovereign, a dependency upon God, that when a person wrote their letter, they said, if the Lord wills. And that attitude of respect and reverence of dependency upon God needs to be recaptured in our day. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, really hit home and hit hard where we live. Because we all plan, don't we? We all want to write out what's going to happen in the future, what is our best case scenario, and we do plan, but we are to say God willing. Why are we to say God willing? Well, number one is because we're not God. We're not in total control, and we're not all-knowing of what's going to happen down the road. Number two, we need to say God willing because we're to humbly rely on the Lord always. Number three, we're to rely on the Lord because we're mortal. Our life is transitory, brief, like a vapor, like a mist. Four, we are to say, if the Lord wills, because we are to repent of arrogance and pride, any smugness or uh, cockiness that would cause us to think we're better than God or in control. And then fifth, we're to say, if God wills, because we're to do all the good we can while we can unto others in the name of the Lord. Let's look at this. First of all, we're to say, God willing, because we're not God. He's in control, and he is all-knowing. So James is really attacking an attitude, an attitude of human presumption and arrogance. He's attacking that anyone should think that they can make plans without acknowledging God's sovereignty. And yet people do that all the time. They make plans without any thought about God, they make plans because God is not the center of their lives, and they make plans confidently as if all of life 
is wired and going to work out exactly the way they want. So here are the words that James writes, inspired the Holy Spirit. He says, now listen, you who say. He's speaking to a very specific group. You who have this attitude where you say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. James gives a wake-up question. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. James is saying that you who declare that your future plans without considering the uncertainties and without acknowledging the sovereignty of God are foolish. Did you know that engineers have a very unique word? It is unk-unk. Engineers have the word unk-unk, and it stands for unknown unknowns. And so you can do as much planning as you um, think is possible, but you don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen down the road. You don't know what could change in an instant. What a difference 24 hours can make positively or negatively in our lives. We're hanging by a thread. The very breath we breathe is a gift from God. We should be thankful to him. We should be relying upon him. We should be trusting in him. You see, there's an illusion. The illusion is we're in control. Can I humble us all by pointing out Proverbs 16.9? It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In another translation, it says, man proposes, God disposes. <laughs> so we think we've got it wired. We think we've got the plan set. We think it's going to work exactly this way, A, B, C, D. And there's a lot of detours that we did not realize. So whether it's about our careers, our families, or our personal goals, we often find ourselves mapping out our lives with a sense of certainty, and James is saying life is unpredictable. Now, a couple examples of this would be Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short person. He was uh, vertically challenged, and he made plans. I'm a tax collector. I'm going to make as much money as I can. He heard that Jesus was coming to town. And in order to see Jesus because of the crowd, he climbed up into a sycamore tree. And he saw Jesus, and Jesus stopped in front of the tree and said, Zacchaeus, today I'm having lunch at your house. Zacchaeus didn't see that coming. When he woke up that morning, he thought another day of business. But when he met Jesus, it changed his life. He said, I've cheated people, charging them way too much in taxes. And now that I've met Jesus, I repent, and I'm going to pay back fourfold 
when I've cheated everybody. His life was dramatically changed. What a difference 24 hours made in Zacchaeus' life. You have Nicodemus who said, look what I've done. As he looked at his kingdom, he took pride in what he had built as an empire. And the Lord humbled him like an animal so that his fingernails grew long like an animal's. And he ate the grass and he was covered by the dew of the morning. And the Lord said he'll be in that animalistic state until he acknowledges that I am the Lord, the Most High, over the affairs of men. Until Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that there's only one God and it's not Nebuchadnezzar, he was humbled like an animal. So you never know what's going to happen. But you know the good story is that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because the Lord is in control, I can trust him about the unk-unks. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what the future holds. He's already been there. He sees the future all in one time. He sees everything in the present. And God is working on my behalf and your behalf to work all things for good. You say, wow, I didn't see that coming and that's not very pleasant. But you know what? It's part of the all things that he's working out for good. How much is he working out for good in your life? All things. That thing that just happened that surprised me? Yes. That thing that I didn't count on happening? Yes. That delay? Yes. God's working all things for your ultimate good to conform you to the image of Christ, his beloved son. We can trust him. So imagine you're on a ship and you're confidently charting your course across the vast ocean and you meticulously planned your journey, but suddenly a storm arises and the once calm sea becomes tumultuous. Life, like the sea, is unpredictable. And James reminds us that our control over life's course is like trying to control the wind and the waves. The illusion of control can be shattered by the unforeseen challenges that life presents. So let those challenges push you to the bosom of God rather than become a wedge between you and God. Let these changes make you better rather than bitter more intimate with the Lord rather than more isolated from the Lord. Second reason why we ought to say God willing, besides the fact that we're not God, is that we're mortal. Our life is transitory. James 4.14 says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is brief. And then life is over. We have to remember we're mortal. We have an expiration date. And so we think we're going to live forever. And young people are the cockiest people I know. <laughs> because they think they're invincible. They can do the stupidest self-destructive things ever 
and they think they're going to live forever. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. We've got to live every day as unto the Lord and with a sense that He is eternal and we have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But our lives are short. Our lives are a test, a trust, and we are to use them for the Lord. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In this psalm it says, Some people live to be 70 years old, and by strength, even 80. And to the audience I'm talking to today, you have extra, extra strength. Because you're in your 80s and 90s. And I'm just amazed that your stamina and your independence and all that's going on in your life. But no matter how long God has allowed you to live beyond your peers, you're to apply your heart unto his ways. Apply your heart to learn his perspective and to follow him, to be in aligned with him. It's not how long you live that matters, it's how you live long that matters. Next, we are to say, God willing, because we are to humbly rely upon God. James says in James 4.15, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. You are to qualify what you say with an actual acknowledgement that God is sovereign, that God is in charge. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I hope to be with you next week. And someone has a saying, I think Andy has a saying, whether the creek rises or something like that, you know, that God is in charge, and we are to trust in him. And so here's an important point, and that is, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. If I had a nickel for every time I relied on that promise, I'd be a billionaire today. And you know what? I am a spiritual billionaire because I have relied on this promise. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's next. But you know, I've got to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And I've got to realize that, yes, I can think things through and I can plan things through, but I've got to take God and his sovereignty into um, consideration. I've got to realize he's the X factor. He knows more than I do and I rely upon him, and I do not allow my thinking to be the final answer. I say, Lord, what do you think? Lord, what do you have in store? Lord, what is your will? What is your plan? Because the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. We have no idea what God has in store, but we must trust him with our entire being. And when we do, he makes straight our paths. We think a straight path 
is a line between A and B. And God may have a plan where we circuitously go around and around before we get to L from A. God had a plan. And in that plan, he grew us, he touched other people's lives, he accomplished more than we could ever imagine, and we were trusting in him. Next, we're to say, Lord willing, because we're to repent of any vestige of arrogance and pride. In James 4.16, James says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And it says in Proverbs 21.4, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. It also says in Proverbs 16.8, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it's one thing to leave God out of our planning and not take him into consideration. It's another thing to boast about our future plans as if we are completely in charge. So I, I had to look up a couple of key words here. First of all, arrogance. What is arrogance? Arrogance is an inflated sense of self-importance. When you take yourself too seriously and you say you're God instead of God, that's arrogance. That's being pompous. Presumption is failing to observe limits. Presumption is thinking, I'm going to live forever and there's no limits to anything I can do. It's being excessively bold, cocky, and sure of yourself, overconfident, and foolhardy. And pride is that which makes you want to replace God. Remember the center letter of pride is I, and it's all about me, myself, and I. Boasting is bragging. It's justifying pride. Have any of us ever been guilty of taking charge in place of God? And have we realized we had to resign from our position of being manager of the universe and give it back to God? That's what repenting means. It means changing your mind, calling God God and you a child of God. We're not the potter, we're the clay. We're not the shepherd, we're the sheep. And when we get it backwards and tell God what to do and how to do it, we've got it all wrong. Such boasting is evil. I said in Sunday school class today, ego, E-G-O, can stand for one of two things. It can stand for edging God out. E-G-O, edging God out. Or it can stand for enjoying God's order. So when you submit to God by humbling yourself, you enjoy God's ordering of things. But when you edge God out, you make a mess and say, God, help me. 
And finally, we're to say, if the Lord wills, because he wants us to do as much good as we can for others. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if God lays upon your heart to help someone and you know you've got the means to help that, that person and you refuse the clear prompting of the Holy Spirit, that's sin. So we sin by what we don't do and we sin by what we do. But God is clearly saying in this application that if you see your brother in need and say, God bless you, be warm, but you don't give him a blanket, you're sinning. And this is the theme throughout James, sensitivity to the marginalized and the disenfranchised. We're to be concerned about the least, the last, and the lost. I think it was John Wesley who said, I'm trying to do all I can while I can to the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Micah 6.8, the prophet says then and says now to us, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to humbly walk with your God. That pretty much summarizes what we've been thinking about here. That we need to say God willing because we're not God. He's in control and he's all-knowing. We're not. We're to say God willing if God wills because we're to humbly rely on the Lord. And we're mortal. Our life is transitory. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And we are to repent of our arrogance and our pride, and we're to do as much good on the way while we can. So love is not an intention. I intended to love you. Love is a demonstration. Let me show you my love by what I do. Let's love one another while we can. That's what life's about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have been challenged and convicted and humbled by today's passage. These have been strong words, convicting words. We recognize that we have viewed you more like a spare tire in the back trunk rather than the steering wheel of our lives. We want you to be front and center. We want to do all of our thinking, all of our planning around you and your will. Forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our boasting. Forgive us for our presumption. Oh, Father, we humbly rely upon you and give ourselves to you. Thank you for giving us even the breath of life. Thank you for saving us through faith in Jesus Christ by your grace. Thank you for the health and the strength and the days you have given us. May we be good stewards in blessing others as you have blessed us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. 
If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.